Purdue Crop Chat, a regular podcast from Hoosier Ag Today and the Purdue University Extension Service, featuring Purdue Extension Soybean Specialist Dr. Sean Castile and Extension Corn Specialist Dr. Dan Quinn. On this episode number 21, it's not like this everywhere, but both Sean and Dan are happy with what they see in Indiana's crops. They'll have an update. And it might be a good time for a drone flight around your farm. I think it's a prime time to get a a stitch flight to see the differences across that field so then that kind of matches up with, okay, do I have any potential shortfalls coming up? Now on Purdue Crop Chat, episode 21, your host, Eric Pfeiffer. Welcome into the Purdue Crop Chat podcast. I'm Eric Pfeiffer. I'm joined as always by the stars of the show, Sean Castile, Purdue Extension Soybean Specialist. Hello, Sean. Hey, Eric. And Dan Quinn is here. Dan is the new Purdue Extension Corn Specialist. Hello, Dan. Glad to have you both along today. And just earlier this week, crop condition ratings, uh, they were a day delayed because of the holiday weekend, but uh, they came out looking pretty good for Indiana, especially compared to the national uh, levels. 73% good to excellent on Indiana corn, 71% Indiana soybeans. Nationally, 64% of corn. 59% of soybeans are rated good to excellent. So overall, seems like things are looking pretty good here, Sean. Yeah, no doubt. I think uh, we've got the stage set for a good season. We we keep on joking about this idea that things look pretty good and just hopefully it just doesn't drop off. But when you look at the the drought map, for instance, you got Iowa, the Dakotas, Minnesota, Wisconsin. I mean, they're just having a tough time with how dry it's been. But you know, we've been on the other side of that, and even with the amount of rain that we've had over the last, let's say, 10 days, 14 days, there's some pretty high levels. We were just talking about it. It just got soaked up, and what areas didn't, I think it's minimal, and so overall we've got pretty good-looking fields. And what about what about the corn crop, Dan? I, I, I'm hearing from guys that it just looks good. One Cass County farmer told me just earlier this week it's got the potential to be the best he's ever had. Yeah, it's it's off, it's looking really good across the state for the most part. Um, with the heavy rains we've had in the last couple of weeks, there's a few localized areas where we've had some flooding, uh, particularly kind of south of Indianapolis and even kind of the northern part of the state. Um, but talking to a lot of farmers, it's it was just so dry for a lot of those areas starting out, especially in the early you know the northern part of the state and. There's fields just soaked up a lot of that water, and that corn just really took off. It's looking really green. Majority of the state just looks really good, and hopefully we can we can keep it that way moving forward. Now, here about a month ago, we spoke, and there was an issue or a concern about sulfur deficiency. Have we grown out of that? Is that a thing of the past now? Yeah, I think the majority of the sulfur deficiency is has kind of you know gone away. I think a lot of farmers did apply sulfur especially at their side dress applications. But again, as that corn crop grows, um, those roots get deeper and proliferate through the soil. Also, as you know, the soils start to warm up, we get more mineralization of that sulfur um, in that rapid growth phase of that corn crop. We're just seeing a lot of really green corn across the state and not seeing as much of that sulfur deficiency as we saw early on. Sean, are there any issues that you're seeing across the state in some areas? Any concerns at this point? Yeah, I think when we go back to the saturated conditions, whether it's flooding or ponding or just straight saturated conditions, we do have spots in the the fields with uh, soybeans that have an off-green color to it. So you can catch pretty quick uh, what areas are probably have been struggling. And and with that, with the rains, again, depending on how much you got, uh, if you're 
fill in the root profile, the soil profile is water, there's not oxygen there. And so we have some roots that were actually probably dying over the last couple of weeks because there's too much water. Uh, in that, you also have an issue with nitrogen supply that's coming from the soil as well as from nodulation and fixation. So we get hit on both ends of the, the spectrum. If it's, if it's dry soil, nodulation and fixation gets hit. If it's wet on the other side, even cool, we get hit on fixation. So we've certainly got spots in our fields that have this off-green color that are limited on nitrogen. Again, I think a lot of that's related to the saturated conditions that we had. Um, they're probably coming at a point now that uh, Dan talked about it getting soaked up and, and growing fast. And the same thing for the beans. I think that we're going to be transitioning out of that. It just, I think it will take a little bit longer for us to come back because the nodulation fixation was kind of put on pause. And it takes a while for that to come back. But hopefully uh, here in the week's time we can kind of get out of it. Uh, Yield-wise, I, I don't anticipate seeing a, a major yield effect from that unless we're talking the you know, ponded condition. That, that's totally different than just saturated conditions. Now let's talk about yield because I'm, I'm again, I'm hearing some chatter from folks that this might be the best uh, crop. Uh, the, it looks the best that they've ever had at this point in the season. I know there's a long way to go, uh, but especially with this corn crop, Dan, they're, they're excited about it, about the potential. What has to happen here for the rest of the season to maybe reach that record yield that folks are already talking about? Yeah, I think, well, number one, we're approaching pollination for the corn across the state. And we're pretty fortunate from that aspect that, one, we got the significant amount of rainfall we've had in the last couple of weeks. So a lot of those soils are recharged with moisture heading into that pollination period, which is really important. It's probably the most critical point in the corn's life and also some of the highest water use of that corn's life as well. So we're looking good on that aspect as well. And also, too, looking at the temperatures, uh, we're seeing as we're approaching pollination, the temperatures are kind of in those lower 80s. You know, we're even seeing maybe next week some you know, high 70s. Um, that's good for that corn crop. Um, so if we can have adequate soil moisture, if we can keep kind of those nighttime temperatures on the lower end of the temperature spectrum and, and really improve that grain fill period moving forward. Um, you know, another important aspect is keeping that corn crop clean. Um, so for the most part right now, it's, it's pretty clean. It looks pretty good from a disease standpoint. But if we have these heavy rains and, you know, talking to our pathologist, uh, Darcy Falenko, they are starting to see diseases starting to move in, uh, especially tar spot. Tar spot has been spotted in a couple counties. Um, so keeping that corn crop clean, um, you know, as we're approaching pollinations, farmers, you know, may start thinking, well, or not, we need a fungicide application, so getting out in your field, scouting, understanding what disease is out there, where they are, um, but keeping that corn clean, and hopefully we can keep adequate soil moisture, can keep some of those nighttime temperatures, you know, in the, in the lower, we can get good grain fill, just a good yield development moving forward. And Dan, uh, I think back about a month ago, uh, we had some, some high temperatures. Uh, we, we even had like a drought preparation. Do you remember that? And so what... What's just hitting me now as we talk about this potential, Eric, of yield is, I mean, how well our crop was rooting at that point, right? So we got good deep roots occurring in that June period. Now we got the rainfall uh, and maintain that. But if I dare say if we kind of cut off on the amount of rain, we still have some pretty deep rooted plants, both corn and soybeans, to kind of withstand any of that. But we're set up with a deep rooting profile, access to moisture. Uh, I think you're right. I think there is a lot of potential there. Yeah, we just, the crop is just set up very well. Things look very good right now. And 
we do have a long way to go, but hopefully we can, we can keep it going the way it's going. Well, I'll tell you, Sean, the guys that I talk to, they're not as excited about their soybeans as they are their corn. I know you might take offense to that, but... I mean, they're pretty excited about their corn crop this year. What has to happen for the soybeans? Well, first off, I think they're excited because Dan's here. You know, a little fresh blood. <laughs> I can get a dig here on Bob, but he's not even here. But, no, um, the bean crop, it's that's the beauty and the frustration of the soybeans. It, it takes a whole season. It does for corn, too. But, I mean, there are certainly some periods. You talked about pollination, Dan, and you just really want to hit that. Soybeans, you think about the amount of flowering that we have instead of a week's time or so on the corn, uh, we're, we're six weeks. And so there's a lot of uh, uh, ebbs and flows with this. And so we've got to have the access to the soil moisture. We've got to have the nitrogen supply, again, from the fixation I just got done talking about. And so that's setting the stage for a pod load. And then we've got to fill those suckers out and, and retain those. So all that comes into play. And, you know, so often... We have a nice stage set, or we can have the reverse, I think, of 2012. And it was hot and dry, or short plants, but uh, we just flowered and flowered. We didn't retain any pods because it wasn't there. But then we had beautiful weather in late August and September, moisture and good, uh, good temperatures, and we still made a good crop. So ultimately, I mean, we've got to see the season all the way through. And, and really what I look toward is that late August, early September, how are we finishing this out? Uh, do we have the access to soil moisture? You think about the amount of water that's being taken up and filling in those seeds. I think those are critical points. One, I want to kind of um, to echo, at least in terms of the temperature regime that Dan talked about during pollination, where upper uh, upper 70s coming, kind of moist conditions. Uh, we've got some fields that that's that's perfect condition for white mold. And so bring in the pathology side of this again. So you, you need to be out there knowing your history. Have you had white mold before? Do you have fields that are coming into flowering to do a preventative spray? So this is before you see it, but it's just all the conditions coming into play. Uh, do I want to go and protect that crop with a fungicide spray? It's a, a dip, different chemistry than you typically think of an R3, R4 spray. Uh, this is a first bloom, full bloom spray, preventative. And so I think a lot of those fields need to be on the lookout in the coming week to prevent any of that if it all comes together. Uh, the second part of that is here in two to three weeks is to go back out and say, okay, do we have any of those foliar leaf diseases that we want to be protecting and watching out for? So I think uh, scouting, that's one that I'm, I'm huge on. Let's continue to scout and see what's out there. So you're saying there's still time for folks to get excited about this soybean crop. Well, whether time. they get excited or not, <laughs> it's the one you, you pull in the combine, you harvest a field, and then they're smiling ear to ear with their soybeans, and the corn's like, okay, yes or no. No, corn's, corn, corn's good too. But, yeah, there's just so much left in the season. But, uh, again, I think we have a lot of potential. You're listening to Purdue Crop Chat with Sean Castile, Dan Quinn, and your host, Eric Pfeiffer. You talk about scouting, and we've we've talked a lot on this podcast about uh, scouting with your drone, and I know that that you do a, a mm-hmm. lot of that. Uh, at this point in the season, is there any any information that farmers can glean if they've got that drone sitting in the office to to get sure. out there and fly it at this point in the season? Yeah, I think this is a prime time, especially with what we had the last two weeks. I already mentioned about some of the spots in the field that are off green versus dark green. Uh, I think this is where you get the resolution of, you know, precision agriculture, right? And so often in precision agriculture today, it's it's a 30-foot header or 40-foot header, and so that's not really as precise as it used to be. 
Whereas you bring out the drone, so whether you just take pictures to see what's going on, just a bird's eye view, or you actually fly the field and map it out so you stitch together the 300 images, and that's really where you gain the resolution to see what's different across that field. And, and for right now, with what we've experienced on the soybean front at least, uh, I think it's a prime time to get a, a stitched flight to see the differences across that field so then that kind of matches up with, okay, do I have any potential shortfalls coming up? And so I think that you're going to be able to see those quite easily in terms of the off-green color. I, I think that this is an opportunity to say, how much is across that field? Do I need to do anything? Usually I, I'm like, oh, let's just hold off but have an appreciation for that. But if you've, you've been fields that have had prone to sulfur deficiencies, we still can do some corrective action, especially if we've got now uh, overlaid with some rooting issues and nodulation. So I think now is the time to be doing that and, and being ready for it. And... You know, for, for a lot of these farmers that maybe don't have a drone or say, I don't need that. Sure. It, there, there's really no other way to see some of those things except having that drone, right? Yeah, I mean, you talk about uh, the prior to the drone is get up on the grain leg, and that does does us pretty good. Uh, you, can, you got a, a friend who's got a, a plane, uh, that's great. Uh, the other one is well, you're going out to spray, and just standing up uh, 15 foot was a huge difference. But to catch the variation and how much variation is going on, you really do need that bird's eye view. And, you know, sitting, sitting in your truck windshield 60 mile an hour just doesn't quite do it. So I think you do need to be up in there a little bit more. Dan, anything on the corn front uh, that we need to close out today's podcast with? Anything that folks need to be on the lookout for here? Um, I think I'll like you echo some of what Sean said is, you know, scouting with potentially a drone. Something with corn maybe even more difficult than soybeans is that a lot of times it's over your head and it can be really difficult mm-hmm. or you have issues in that field. And, and one thing that is I've gotten a few questions about recently with these heavy rainfalls, you know, there's part of the state that had five, six, seven inches of rain. And that's after a lot of these farmers put their side dress nitrogen applications on. Um, so if you can, or you're able to fly some of these fields and actually see whether or not we do have some nitrogen deficiency in those fields, especially as we pro- approach pollination. Um, you know, with those heavy rainfalls, you know, whether you had ponding or whether it's uh, leaching, potentially could have lost some of that nitrogen. And if we can get out and kind of see those areas, you know, kind of minimize the compaction if we're going back with those sprayers and maybe kind of variable or pinpoint where we need to put those nitrogen in that field to get that corn crop you know, through that pollination period. Some of these peak nutrient uptake times is really important. I think that's that's one of the benefits if you can use a drone and kind of understand you know, where those problem areas are, those fields, and you can actually see it a lot better in corn instead of trying to walk that field where the corn crop's over your head. Um, but being aware that with these heavy rainfalls, keeping an eye on you know, potential nitrogen deficiencies and whether or not we need to come back in and maybe apply a little bit of supplemental nitrogen to get that corn crop through the rest of the season. What I like about that, again, is to be able to get across the field in a hurry and then have targeted spots to go sampling to. Again, that crop's over your head, and um, so I think that's that's critical to get across the field quickly and then to have targeted sampling. So whether it's taking leaf samples or taking a picture and you've got an app that gives you a, a rough idea of nitrogen concentration, but at least to go back, I think that is a big part of it. And we should mention that if you're listening to this podcast and you think, you know what, maybe I could benefit from a drone, 
don't just go buy one and then start flying it. There, there are some steps you have to take and get sure. licensed and everything else. And that information can be found at the, I assume, the Purdue Extension website. Yep. Yeah. Within Purdue, we we've got a we got our quad squad for one across our extension educators across the state. So that can kind of be a first step into it. Chances are you've got someone close to you that has one that can help you work through that. Uh, whether actually fly it with one of our our drones or to definitely work through the the program, we've got training to to help you get educated and and certified in that. But I think even just having the first step, I I go back to when Bob and I saw a drone in person, in 2017. It was at a tiling field day across at the Davis Farm, and on the drive home, we called and ordered two drones right then. I mean, we literally had it that day. I said, we've got to get one. And again, that's a little bit different as a, you know, an educator trying to troubleshoot, but then as a farmer, a consultant, I mean, there's value there, but then again, how do you cost, cost share that? But I mean, let's go to a neighbor, go to a friend, go one of our extension educators to, to see the value. Gentlemen, Thank you so much. Sean, I should ask you any closing thoughts about your soybeans here as we close out today's podcast? I, I mean, I'll, the, the thing I'll just go back to is to be out there scouting. You know, we do have some off-green soybeans. Uh, we do have some of the weather conditions in the next seven to ten days that probably are going to be conducive to white mold. Uh, so if you've had that history, go out there. Let's let's take that, that approach and then uh, be ready to take any leaf samples. That's one we haven't talked about today, but for soybeans uh, and corn, probably the same thing, getting the ear leaf coming in a few weeks. Uh, just get a, a nutritional snapshot. You know, it is a snapshot. It's a point in time. I typically like to have two or three samples across the growing season to see how our nutrient status is changing. But if you do just one, realize it is a snapshot. It could be um, a variable based on if you took in the afternoon and we had a dry spot in the field. And so you can have some numbers that are pretty pretty crazy on the potassium side. So just be mindful of that, but I, I still like to have more information to make decisions instead of less. Gentlemen, thank you so much. And we'll do this again here soon. And uh, hopefully things continue to just kind of clip along here throughout the season and uh, people can realize some of those yields that they're already potentially excited about. So Dan, Sean, thank you so much. This has been Purdue Crop Chat, a regular series featuring Purdue Extensions, Dr. Sean Castile and Dr. Dan Quinn. Thank you for joining us for Purdue Crop Chat today, moderated by Eric Pfeiffer and a service of Purdue University Extension and Hoosier Ag Today. Timely, relevant, credible.